Welcome to Telling Future Generations, the radio ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship of Illinois. Now here's your host, Dr. Katrina Forseth, a missionary serving as State Director of CEF of Illinois. Hi, and thank you for listening to Telling Future Generations. Just a few weeks ago, I officially became a half-empty nester. At the end of August, I drove my firstborn son, Caleb, to Upland, Indiana, where I dropped him off to begin his freshman year at Taylor University. But it wasn't really just a drop-off. My other son, Samuel, and I were able to spend the whole weekend with Caleb, where they had a welcome orientation weekend with events planned for both the incoming students and their parents. During that weekend, the president of Taylor University gave a message where he often repeated a line that simply said, you were called to be here even before you arrived. He repeated that punctuated line so frequently throughout his presentation that I almost began saying it in my mind every time he paused. Honestly, I think I was growing a little tired of hearing it when suddenly towards the end of his message, it hit me like a two by four. In my mind's memory, I started tracing all my Taylor connecting dots in my life and in my son's life that led us to this point. So today in our radio program, I not only want to share with you this trip down memory lane, but also make an application to each of our lives that I'm entitling Takeaways from Taylor, Tailored for You. When I was listening to the president of Taylor's message, I had two overwhelming thoughts. First, God had my son exactly where he wants him to be for the season of his life. And second, God has been preparing my heart for this day long ago. It was the fall of 1985, right after the Lord got a hold of me at an Easter cantata when I was 15 years of age and brought me back to himself. It was on that day that the Lord broke me open like a geyser, reminding me of John 3.16 and all that the Lord had done for me on the cross. It's as if the Lord came near and spoke to my heart and said, Katrina, I did all that for you. Why can't you live all for me? Several months later, I found myself attending the Youth Congress 85 in Washington, D.C., sponsored by Youth for Christ, along with 10,000 other high school students from across the country. I was revved up. For in Christ and for Christ, we can make a difference. After returning home from Youth Congress, I remember giving my campus leader a call and asked him simply, what's next? Jeff Cavanaugh, my high school Youth for Christ leader, said, well, how about going to Taylor University to attend a discipleship training weekend hosted by Youth for Christ for high school students? I said, yes, I'm all in. That fall weekend came, and my dad drove me for a couple hours from Ohio to the middle of nowhere in Indiana and dropped me off the campus and said to me, I'll pick you up in a couple days. That weekend at Taylor was awesome. I got to meet other students who were serious about their faith, but also I got to meet Dr. Jay Kessler, who was the former president of Youth for Christ, who was now at that time in 1985, the president of Taylor University. Dr. Kessler gave an inspiring message on being salt and light in our schools, always living for Christ and pointing others to Christ in all we say and do. Later, I found out that part of the purpose for Youth for Christ Discipleship Weekend being held at Taylor was to interview students for potential scholarships. I remember when I found that out, I said to myself, well, who cares about scholarships? That's not why I came. All I can say about that 38 plus years later is that now I understand the importance of scholarships and I care. 
But the biggest takeaway for me from that discipleship weekend is that God burned within my heart a deep desire to study God's word and to teach God's word to others, whether big or small. When my dad came to pick me back up on Sunday and drove me all the way back home, I hardly said a word. It wasn't that I was being rude. It's just that I was consumed because I decided right then and there on that road trip back that I was going to begin to teach God's word to others. So I took out my notebook and my pen and began to write a Bible study all the way back while traveling the van on the book of Ecclesiastics to share with my classmates back at school. And that's what I did for the next three years, holding weekly Bible studies in the library over lunch for the next three years that all began with that weekend at Taylor my freshman year. But from that point on, there was this great gap where I completely forgot about Taylor, not just for months or for years, but for three whole decades. And that's just how much time had elapsed. I had already graduated from Moody Bible Institute, was married, completed my graduate work at Columbia Bible Seminary. I began serving with CEF in South Carolina and then moved here to Illinois to serve as a CF state director. And then lo and behold, the Lord blessed us with two boys. During this time when my boys were growing up, perhaps seven to ten years ago, I watched a missionary video with them on the life of Samuel Morris put out by Torchlighters, which was a ministry of Voice of the Martyrs. As I watched the animated children's video, I was riveted to the screen and kept asking myself, is this story true? Why have I never heard about Samuel Morris before? Because after all, I was a CF missionary storyteller advocate. The story of Samuel Morris was that of an African boy from the country of Liberia in the late 1800s who came to America, attended a Christian Bible college, which in turn sparked a student revival on the campus like Missions in Reverse. I was so intrigued with the story that I decided to watch the enclosed documentary that to my surprise included excerpts from Dr. J. Kessler from Taylor University who commented on the true story of the life of Samuel Morris. As I was watching the documentary, it hit me like a ton of bricks. The Bible college that Samuel Morris attended was none other than Taylor University, the very school that I had forgotten about. I was so inspired by the story of Samuel Morris that I did several teaching sessions with our senior returning CEF summer missionaries of not only the life of Samuel Morris, but also on the resulting impact of the revival on the students and also the importance of listening to the Holy Spirit for direction and guidance. For many of you who are like me, who never heard the story before, here's a brief snapshot of the life of Samuel Morris. His African name was not Samuel, but Prince Kabu, an African chief son who grew up in the country of Liberia. At least twice, Prince Kabu was taken captive by a neighboring tribe and held for ransom for food and goods to enslave his father's entire village. When the second time Prince Kabu was kidnapped and held for ransom, he was beaten severely by the enemy tribe because his father's village was unable to come up with a ransom. The warring tribe decided that Kabu was no longer any use to them, so they tied him to a center stake in the village with his hands behind his back, and they were going to beat him one last time before they killed him as an example to watching eyes. Kabu had no knowledge of the true and living God and had never heard of the name of Jesus or the Bible, but his tribe did believe in a great spirit who was over all and perhaps a whispered prayer crossed across Kabu's lips. The next thing that we can Kabu knew was that there was a great light shining all around him that almost blinded his eyes. And then Kabu heard a voice calling him saying, Kabu, run, flee through the jungle. 
Miracle 1 was the bright light in the voice that he heard. Miracle 2 was that somehow, someway, the ropes behind his back broke free. Miracle 3 was that even though Prince Kabu had been severely beaten almost to the point of death, Kabu was now able to run through the jungle and escape all the way to the coast of Liberia where most native Africans would fear to tread. Miracle 4 was that the first person that Kabu encountered was a former friend from his tribe who had also come to the Liberian coast. He told Kabu that he could get him a job on a plantation and have food to eat and a place to sleep. But also at this plantation, there was a church. This was the first church that Kabu had ever seen, and it was the first time he heard the Bible or the name of Jesus. During Sunday school that day, a lady was teaching the youth of the plantation workers on the Bible lesson from Acts chapter 9, saw on the Damascus Road, and saw seeing a great light and hearing a voice. Kabu listened intently as the words were translated into his language, and then he could hold back no longer. Kabu interrupted the service and said, that's what happened to me. Jesus appeared to me also. And that day, without any further ado, Kabu believed in the Lord Jesus and was saved. And from that point on, Kabu was like a spiritual sponge. He wanted to learn all he could, and the missionary lady who lived there did all she could to teach him of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and of the Bible, as well as teaching him how to read and write in English. One day the missionary said to Kabu, I can't teach you anymore. I mean, that's all I know. You know as much as I do. It was also at this time that Kabu changed his name like the Apostle Paul did, and Kabu took on a name of a friend and the finance supporter of the missionary teacher who attended the Bible college, and from that point on, he was known as Samuel Morris. Samuel was determined to learn more and to go to Bible college in America, so one morning he just up and showed up with all of his belongings packed in a knapsack and walked down to the coast to board one of the ships. How Samuel was able to get on that ship and travel to America is another story in itself, but suffice it to say, that was a miracle too. But more miracles were yet to come. By the time the big sailing ship reached the shore of New York City, the ship's captain and almost half the crew had come to Christ. But Samuel Morris had a problem as he stepped ashore. He only had one name given to him by his missionary friend as a connection, and that was the name of Stephen Merritt, who lived in New York City, that Samuel Morris hoped to teach him more about the Holy Spirit. But how does an African boy in his teens who had never been to America before or anywhere find Stephen Merritt in all of New York? But to Samuel and his Heavenly Father, that was no problem at all. Samuel stepped off the boat, said goodbye to the captain and the crew, and then turned to the first person he saw who was a homeless vagabond sitting near the ship docks. Samuel walked up to this complete stranger and said, Do you know Stephen Merritt? And will you take me to him? Amazingly, the street dweller looked up into the face of the African young man and said, Why, yes, I know Stephen Merritt. I've stayed at his mission. It's only eight blocks away. I'll take you to him, but it'll cost you a dollar. Samuel said, I don't have any money, but it's no problem. My father will pay. From there, Samuel Morris went to the mission to meet Stephen Merritt. Without hesitation, he took Samuel into his home, listened intently to his story, and then sought immediately to take him to the Bible college to see about a scholarship. And what was the name of that school again? It was Taylor University that was located at that time in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It seems almost from the moment that Samuel stepped foot on campus, revival was on its way with students coming to Christ or longing for a deeper, simple relationship with the Lord like Samuel Morris had with his Heavenly Father. Samuel also preached in local churches in Fort Wayne, and salvations and revivals seemed to spring up all around. 
However, sadly, Samuel only made it to his second year at Taylor because in the following winter, he fell ill and passed away unexpectedly of something like pneumonia. But in Samuel Morris's short stay at Taylor, he made a tremendous impact on the students and faculty that sparked a revival not only at Taylor, but in the town. Many of the students desired to pick up where Samuel had left off. Several of the students through the years determined to take God's word and God's message not only to their homeland in America, but to places like Africa and beyond. Fast forward now to my son Caleb's senior year at Peoria Christian School. At least another eight plus years have passed since watching that video of Samuel Morris. I began then hearing about the name Taylor and remembering my Taylor connection again, but still I wasn't convinced that this was Caleb's first choice for a school. Then one day Caleb handed me his verbal list. He said, I want to major in Christian ministries focused on camp leadership. I want to run track at college. I want to go out of state, but not too far from home. You know, that may sound like a wide list with a lot of Christian colleges to choose from, but actually it's not. It came down to two schools that were both in Indiana, but Taylor was not at the top. We decided to go back and check out and go to Taylor for a 24-hour visit, and it was then that all the pieces began to fall into place. When the Taylor admissions advisor asked Caleb to share his testimony of salvation and why he wanted to go to Taylor and work towards his degree in Christian ministries with a focus on camping, it blessed my heart to hear Caleb's response. Caleb said, well, I know I could get a job, have a family, and go to church and serve the Lord in that way, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's good, but life is too short, and because of what Jesus did for me, I want to be all in for him and helping others to know him and be all in for him too. And that was it. From that point on, it was all about just crossing the T's and dotting the I's, and suddenly I remembered those high school students vying for Taylor scholarships way back in 1985 and the stress they must have felt. But praise the Lord, even though finances are a stretch, the Lord provides. Now here we were, sitting at the freshman orientation weekend in August, listening to the president of Taylor saying again, God called you here even before you arrived. Afterwards, we snapped some pictures with Caleb standing in front of the steps of his assigned dorm that just happened to be the Samuel Morris Hall. He gave me a big hug and said for now our goodbyes and said, Mom, it's okay. It's just like I'm going to camp. I nodded my head. I understood and turned to go and started the long drive back to Peoria, Illinois with my younger son, Samuel, in the van. It was at that moment I felt the weight of being a half-empty nester, yet at the same time, my heart was full resting on what I knew to be true. My son was right where God wanted him to be for the season of his life, and that the Lord had been preparing my heart for this day long ago. My tailored takeaway, tailored for you, is simply this. God has a good plan for your life as his people, and even in the midst of life's twists and turns and seemingly dead ends, God is at work stitching together step by step his good and perfect plan that he has specifically designed and tailor-made just for you. Ephesians 2.10 says it best, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Today as you go your way, remember this tailored takeaway. Number one, God has you exactly where he wants you to be for this season in your life. And number two, God has been preparing you for this day long ago. So simply today, walk in God's tailor-made design for you. Thank you for joining us today for Telling Future Generations, the radio ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship of Illinois. To learn how you can partner with Child Evangelism Fellowship to reach children in your community, 
please call 309-688-9699 or visit cefofillinois.com. Please join us again next week at the same time for Telling Future Generations.